Hello, and welcome once again to this series of conversations about the arts and how they help us so much emotionally. And as this is an arty podcast, I took the title for this episode about gardening from the large triptych by Hieronymus Bosch called The Garden of Earthly Delights, painted around the turn of the 15th and 16th centuries and possibly amongst the weirdest works of art ever made. It now lives with 14 other Bosch paintings in the Museo del Prado in Madrid, if you ever fancy seeing it for real and can get there again somehow safely. Mr Bosch must have lived through some disturbing times to have had his extraordinary imagination fired in the way it evidently was. Pretty much all human life is depicted in The Garden of Earthly Delights, the nice, the horrible and the downright bizarre. But I digress. A great percentage of visual art is inspired by nature, and so are many other arts too. So we couldn't have a series about the arts without looking at how nature inspires us. And I originally planned to talk to my friend and gardening mentor, Hilary Barber, RHS, about all things garden design. And I would like to do that another time. But just for this episode, I thought it would be good to talk more generally about the emotional benefits of gardens and gardening. And that might be a better foundation for a garden design chat another time. So, of course, it's well known that gardening is good for physical and mental health, unless you're one of those people who hate it and think of it as just more housework only outside in the rain. And part of me definitely sympathises with that point of view. And yet, it's partly the effort and the cold and the wet and the muckiness that's kind of good for us, as well as the beautiful flowers and fragrances and things. But let's dive in and hear from the expert. She's out there most days and knows a lot more about it than I do. Hello, lovely Hilary. Hello, lovely Frances. Thank you so much for joining me today for this Zoomy chat about gardening. This chat is going to be about the emotional benefits generally of the various aspects of gardening, not just about, and we'll talk about garden design another time. So to start with a general, very general opening question, this might even seem a bit silly, but why gardening? I mean, why not just take a walk in the woods or the park? Well, nature is very, very important. So sure is. And the exercise is really important, mm -hmm. but it's about the nature that's closest to us in our own little domain in our own castle in our safety area mm. and it's 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 about developing it into the i call it tamed wilderness that you would like it to be mm. so for you for the client for the customer for the friend mm. it's all about making something that you love whether it be roses and lavender, whether it be prairie gardens with loads of grasses, mm. it's all making it about your own space. Mm. And at the same time, it helps with your mental well-being, your physical well-being mm. and your social well-being. Mm. If you're working with a partner or with a friend or with somebody like me. Indeed. So you're creating, so it's very creative because you're creating your yes. own space with your own uh, taste and your own style. And, yes. But it does involve real things like effort and application and a lot of failure. Yes. So it's also, it's not just about the prettiness. It's about, there's a reality mm -hmm. to it, isn't there? Mm -hmm. 
yeah. It's working with 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 living things, mm. some of whom plants wise can be slightly bolshy. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be here, I want to be there. Right. No, I want to don't want to be there, I want to be there. Mm. And it's not so much failures, it's a learning, really. It's 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 trial and error, mm. isn't it? Mm. That you know. Like, for example, if you painted a room blue, you might think, oh, no, I feel like I'm living in a swimming pool. Yeah. I've got to, to change the color. Yeah. It's the, the experience of developing on. Originally, I thought, you know, I wanted one style of garden. Oh, yeah. Actually, you were talking to me about it the other day. Our tastes change as well, totally, don't they? Totally. That I thought I didn't like Forsythias either, and you like Forsythias. Now, yeah, I used to hate them. Now, why I used to hate them, I don't know, but I really used to object to them. But they are, they're spring, they just are happy spring. Yeah, so now I've just bought a couple. (laughs) So would you have any advice for anyone who feels a bit resistant to gardening? Because you know that not everyone likes gardening. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. do you have any advice for someone who is a bit hesitant about giving gardening a go or who's never gardened yes. before or who's a bit intimidated by all the work that's involved and 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 by seeing apparently perfect and weed-free gardens because they're that comparisonitis thing always kicks in as well. Mm. I suppose it does with everything, doesn't mm. it? Comparisonitis. But I think sometimes and the things that I've found most when people are most resistant to gardening is that they walk out in the garden and go gosh golly, or some other swear word, <laughs> um, I I don't know where to start, so I'll just go back in again. Yeah. Or I don't know how to develop that garden, mm. or I don't know what I want. And so firstly, in terms of a weed-free garden, there ain't a weed-free <laughs> garden. And we, weeds are only plants in the wrong place. Oh, yeah, I've got a good quote for that, I just found. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goody, goody. Oh, who is it? Who is it? Here we go. It's Sarah Stein who said, I appreciate the misunderstanding I have had with nature over my perennial border. I think it is a flower garden. She thinks it's a meadow lacking grass and tries to correct the error. (laughs) It's really nice. I love that. I love that. I love that. The other thing is some weeds are great for for nature, for wildlife, Mm. which is the the other reason that we're doing the gardening, not just creativity. Yeah. But... I would say bite-sized chunks. Look at your garden and say, right, Rome wasn't built in a day. I can't achieve everything. Mm. For example, some of the clients that I work with, they may be child psychologists, lawyers, what have you. I'm no good at their job, Mm. but I know a bit about gardening, surprisingly (laughs) enough. Um, And so I just say, just break it down. When I start with a client, it's either I do you know, a weed identification or spring pruning, not everything has to be done in the garden at one time. Yeah. And, you know, we don't, we don't need a croquet lawn. I mean, if anybody looked at my lawn, they would say, oh, failure, failure. You think you're a horticulturalist, failure. Yeah, but there's, yeah, but a crown green bowl's perfection is kind of sterile, isn't it, as well? It's a bit very of a, sterile. Yeah. They're very sterile. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's horses, courses, because there are so many... Yeah, the, and the, the same with minimalists and maximalists. Minim- I'll have to say that again. The same with mm. minimalists and maximalists in, yes. in interiors where, yeah, what we yeah. think is sterile, somebody else might be. That's very peaceful and you know, relaxing to them. So the it's, less, the better in the garden, but not for me. 
it's so much the individual choice, isn't it? And, and, and actually having failed, I put my hand up, you can't see, but I've failed on my lawn. I've bought some fantastic wildflower seeds and I'm going to sow a wildflower lawn. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. And won't the, won't the insects like that? Exactly. And it's more creative. That's what it is. That's, of course it is. So you don't do, I mean, do you do it? Do you ever sit down and draw plans? Do you do that ever? I sit down. Everybody's got creativity mm-hmm. in them. And so I sit down with clients and help them design their garden about how they want to. Some people, and there are some people who will want a professional designer to produce them a pretty picture of this is what you want. Mm. But when I go in and I talk to a client, I say, well, what do you want to achieve from your garden? Mm. So, you know, whether it's nature, whether it's uh, wildlife, whether it's croquet pitch, (laughs) uh, children and trampoline, you know, that's one of the biggest things, you know, where should we put the trampoline, you know, hedges or fences, Mm. how many trees. Yes. Everybody's got that creativity within them Mm. to say, oh, I actually never thought of it this way. Mm. And actually, I did my first huge border planting planning meeting by Zoom the other day because I couldn't go into the client's house. So before Christmas, we'd gone through a whole list of plants she might like. She then narrowed them down. And then she came up with a design and we worked it out together. Mm. And she felt so much more ownership of it. She also loved the fact that she understood it and she felt, you know, oh, I can do this. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we had to move a few things around and what happened. Yeah. But, but she got to choose yeah. the things that she liked and that's the starting exactly. point. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's brilliant. I love that. And there's something about the garden as a, a sort of your, your, your own personal canvas where you're mm. getting to experience life in the micro level really aren't you sort of the general life but in your own space so it's something safe about that something very safe it's like um I'm just going to do that (laughs) there Hillary's unzipping herself I'm unzipping myself when you say micromanagement yeah it's like at the moment looking at all the tadpoles in the ponds and you know the wildlife coming out and the little birds fluttering Mm. across and it's so satisfying. Yeah, yeah. And at the other end, when things are dying off for the winter, that's also part of it. Oh, I'm going to ask you the very unfair question now. Do you have a favourite season? <laughs> My least favourite is summer. Oh, which is strange. Controversial. Controversial. But the sign of hope mm. for spring. Mm. I mean. The cherry blossom now, the little daffodils, the crocuses, the snowdrops, they've all been footling away underneath the surface of the soil. Trees in bud. Oh, yeah. It's very exciting. It's so exciting. So exciting. Why why does summer get the bums rush from you? Because it's the most difficult one to work in. Oh, I guess. Dry, (laughs) hot. July is a a typical month for a dearth of flowers. So everybody says, you know, I want flowers for for July. And I could go into all the details about which flowers, but spring and autumn, early autumn are the most, should we say, floriferous months. Is that a word? I don't know. I've just made it up. Floriferous. Floriferous. I think think so. I think so, definitely. 
I can't say it now, floriferous. And then I love autumn because everything starts slowing down. The colors are stunning. Yeah, they're rich. Yeah. Yeah. Planting bulbs, which Mm. is the new season of hope. That's true. And then knowing that all the leaves are being shed from the trees to allow them that important dormancy to come back for spring. Oh, it's very nice. Very nice. Actually, you're right. I, I certainly have struggle in the summer myself when you've planted all this lovely stuff and it goes whoosh in May and June and it's fantastic. And then it's sort of a sag a bit just when you want to sit in the garden and enjoy it all. It's going, oh, yeah. yeah this year, winter actually was amazing because the garden looks so pretty under frost. Also yeah. that you don't have to be out in it. <laughs> you can yes. enjoy how pretty it looks in under the frost without yes. having to be out there. So yeah, I enjoyed winter this year more than usual. To make a garden look pretty mm. in winter is hugely creative. So you know, you do all your lovely colored stemmed woods and your grasses and evergreens because in the past everything was just cut back to nothing. Mm. And it's so important to leave that all up there for the wildlife. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. Some evergreen things. Lovely. Yeah. The circle of life that you were talking about is, again, part of what's great about connecting with nature, but yes. because we are nature. And so we, I'm sure it helps us come to terms with that circle of life that we're part of as well. Yes. Um, yes. Th- there's also the right plant, right place, as you were saying, and the disease that comes in when you a plant is not happy and in the wrong place. There's more awareness of that these days than perhaps there used to be. And you had some stories for this? Oh, yes. So a couple of clients like the look of something in particular. Mm. So there's a lovely black elder called Sambucus niger, Mm. and it's gorgeous, and it's a huge tree. Mm. And a client bought this one that was about two foot high and she said look at this lovely plant (laughs) I thought it could just squish in here next to this and this and I said ah yes but have you read the label (laughs) and it's six foot by six foot yeah we could use it elsewhere in the garden but actually she'd chosen the plant which looked pretty but it's very important when you're looking at the design to know what a plant looks like and that's why labeling is really important Mm. just from the design point of view I've also got another lovely story that a client wanted she said you know that tobacco plant and I'm going tobacco plant tobacco plant and she said yeah 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 the one with the puffy flowers and I said do you mean nicotiana Mm. which which is called tobacco plant Mm. she said no no the puffy plant she meant a smoke bush oh (laughs) <laughs> Not the tobacco, the smoke bush, yeah. which is lovely. And and again, that's a huge tree. And I said, no, I don't think you want that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Somebody in, in our old house, somebody, uh, this is a garden design person who came in and put an Indian bean tree right next to the house with a great big massive hanky handkerchief shaped leaves. And it was yes. lovely the first year yeah. or two. And then it just went, <laughs> blocked all the light in the windows. And uh, became a monster. Yeah. Right plant, right place. That's why I worry that, uh, okay, uh, the ginkgo biloba tree, which is a gorgeous tree, but it's all planted along the road near me. Mm -hmm. And um, you don't, nobody knows the ultimate size of it because it's 
one of those prehistoric uh, Pliocene trees, mm. and already they're forming an arch in the middle of the road. Wow. Mm. Stunning, though. So, right plant, right place. Gorgeous. Yeah. But not very good for leaf mulch because they don't break down. Oh, really? I didn't know that. No. no. Mm-hmm. There you go. Oh, thank you. I learned something else today. So... We talked about how gardening, well, we haven't talked about how gardening makes you feel happy, but it does. I mean, you're out there in the lovely, you're listening to the bees and you're listening to the birds and you're seeing the beasties and you're looking at pretty flowers. But what about other emotions? We were talking about emotions here and um, something like digging and deadheading as anger management when you can go and get stuck in and chop things. Yes. It is a therapy, isn't it? You, You, I mean, you do, you work with people as garden therapy i do and it's a place that they want it's a place that they want to get into whatever emotions they're going through mm-hmm. so i was working with a lady this morning her father's dying and she needed to get out in the garden mm. uh, she wasn't available to do so much work but she needed to come and talk about this and that mm. and this and that and she said oh gosh isn't the sunshine lovely and it's like, as you say, going into nature, but actually coming into your own garden. And we've been developing her garden over a few years. And it just gives her that sense of satisfaction and peace mm. Mm. And, and seeing the plants that her father has given her. Oh, and that's lovely. That's very lovely. That's a sharing thing. And that's so important. Definitely. Definitely. It's very nice. What a lovely gift to give someone a plant that will last for years. Yeah, And that's why nice. people plant trees. Mm. I walk daily past the tree that I planted in memory of my father, which is a gorgeous silver birch. And what I realized that uh, everybody in the the street last summer was nurturing it as well because they're all giving it cans of water. And I found this out the other day. Oh, lovely. So that was a lovely community thing. Yeah. Very lovely. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, doing things together. Well, we'll do for each other. Yes. I mean, I tend to garden alone, which I find quite meditative. Yes. And I do get lost in the sounds and the smells and the bird song and the little beasties. Yes. But on the rare occasion that I do go out with someone and we're pulling up weeds next to each other, it is it's a bit like doing the washing and the drying up together. It's very companionable. Yeah. Yes. So a very nice thing to share, really, as well, isn't it? I think this this time that we've been through what we've been through during the pandemic, yeah. the fact that I have been able to get into people's gardens. Mm. For some people that haven't seen many people, mm. I've got into their gardens and worked at a two meter distance from them. Yeah. I mean, occasionally it can be quite interesting, uh, you know, that you want to show them how to prune something. And I, I call it the, you know, garden dance that we're going. And that, that makes us laugh as well. Yeah. So I'll cut that, right? You do that one. I'll do that one. And, you know, you can chat about this and that. Well, you know, when you've got your hands in the soil, then thoughts come out, people chat. And, and it, it is very companionable. Mm. It's huge social therapy. Mm. When I if sadly can't go into care homes at the moment, but that was part of the group social activity that everyone was laughing at everybody doing a particular job, usually laughing at me because I was like a whirling dervish Mm -hmm. to make sure that everyone got an activity to suit them. Mm. So sometimes, you know, we might just even plant one seed each, but, you know, you're telling stories. Today I saw um, some daffodils in a client's garden in Raxall, Mm -hmm. 
and say, oh, I wandered lonely as a cloud. Where did that come yeah. from? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. again, that's nature has inspired just about, well, a lot of our art. It really has. Exactly. In visual art and literature and, yeah, you name it. Visual art, poetry, theatre. Mm-hmm. Dance. All of this. Exactly. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, well, that was wonderful. Thank you very, very much. And finally, then, do you have something for the listener to take away, especially a listener who might not have been, you know, out there gardening or might not have got started with gardening yet? Is there something simple that anyone could do that is totally achievable and accessible that might really reward, you know, a big reward for small effort. That's what we want, get them encouraged. (laughs) Absolutely. So two things. I thought it would just be one, but just two things. In the autumn, plant some little tete-a-tete daffodils in a pot. Beautiful. The instructions come on the packet and then you'll see them come up from January and then give their big display. And then any time of the year from now, sow some parsley in a pot. Oh, great. Or coriander or any herb seeds. The instructions always come on the, on the packet. A little pot can be plastic or it can be terracotta. And you'll have growth if you sow in March or April. You'll have growth almost immediately and you can nurture those little seeds and they'll nurture you right back. Parsley sprinkles. Bring it on. Parsley sprinkles. <laughs> well, this has been very lovely, Hilary. Thank you very much. I think we'll re- that was a nice place at which to end our chat. And I'd love to come back and talk to you another time about garden design, because that's a very rich topic um, just in terms of yeah, the aesthetics of design aesthetics. Uh, yeah, and the history of that could be fun. Exactly. I mean, gosh, if it was, you know, Capability Brown with his wide landscapes around down to Pierre Udolf with his prairie gardens, yeah. you know, gosh, what a contrast. Yeah, your Derek Jarmans and your Versailles. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I know. Lot, there's a lot in there. Yeah. So let's do that another time. I'd love to do that. But thank I'd you again so that. much and see you soon. See you soon. Every time I've talked to Hillary, I feel like nipping out and pulling a few weeds or snipping at something just for 10 minutes. And it usually turns into an hour or two, because as soon as you're out there, it's just so good to be among growing things and tweety and buzzy things. Outdoors or indoors, a packet of seeds, a pot and a small bag of compost, and you're in business, literally creating life. And it doesn't get much more creative than that. But even if you don't have a garden, you can still stroll along most streets and enjoy other people's front gardens. That's a kind of fun, legitimised form of snooping. And it can give you all kinds of inspiration to plant or draw or write or sew or do just about anything. And what about our local parks and public gardens? Maybe we're taking these less for granted these days since the pandemic has clipped our wings. Every tree and bush and little flower has looked more lovely to me anyway this last year. Somebody once said, I'd rather have roses on my table than diamonds on my neck. And meaning no offence to diamonds, me too. So let's raise a toast to the aesthetic, feel-good, earthly delights of gardens and gardening. And until next time, 
Enjoy keeping all your senses open and alive to whatever art makes your life better.